Welcome to Standing at the Edge, the podcast. I'm Casey Stratton. I am here today talking to you about my album from 2010, Myth and Stars, parts one and two. I think it's my only double album. I think so, which was officially. I have some records that have like a deluxe version or things like that, but this one actually is two complete records that I released together. There was also the limited edition version of Divide, which sort of functioned as a double album, but it was never really considered that. It was considered the full album of the Divide and then a collection of B-sides on the second disc. So this is different uh, to me. It has a narrative from beginning to end, although I believe part one and part two have their own distinct personalities or voices narratives in some ways but uh, we'll get into all that as we talk about it that record was at a really interesting crossroads of my life Uh, things were really kind of shifting and changing touring was no longer something that was viable but also I was starting to be able be able to play larger shows in Grand Rapids Michigan where I live Uh, and actually the shows I did after the release of Myth and Stars were the last full-length shows I have done to this day in 2010 I did one in May, I believe, and one in November, and uh, those were the last times I ever did a full, like, two-hour-long with Encore's live performance. Uh, I can't really even do that anymore. I talked about it on my personal Facebook. I had a realization in therapy last week. I was saying to my therapist that I would love to be a full-time musician again in a perfect world. Like, if I could have anything I wanted, what would I want? And I said I would love to be able to just make music full-time, and then I realized, like, I, I couldn't do that. My, with my issues with my spine, my hands, uh, my shoulder blades, all the things. I, I've lost a lot of coordination. I have permanent nerve damage that makes my hands uh, lock up. It makes my hands hard to manage. Uh, my fingertips are numb almost every day. So playing a full show. Oh, and also my spinal issues with my nerves also affected my voice. So my voice gets extremely tired in about 10 minutes, and I lost a lot of my high range. When I was making the Turbulent Sea, I was like, what is happening? Because I know how to sing. But my voice is getting so like tense and my throat hurts and my neck hurts like and I'm only singing these short amounts of time. So I had to make that record in little fits and starts as far as vocals went because I just wasn't capable and I had to really push myself to play the piano. At the time I didn't know what was going on. I was about to find out soon after but uh, that was the last record I made. It was four years ago. Uh, I know I've talked pretty openly about how I just haven't been in the space to make a record. That's one of the reasons I'm doing this season this way is because I wanted to be able to go back and revisit some of the old work as a way of just kind of communing with that creative part of myself even though lately I have not really gotten into making music and it's the longest in my career I've gone Um, but you know there's lots of reasons I got married I had two heart attacks I had a spinal fusion surgery I started a new job the pandemic hit so I mean there's been a lot going on and some people have really been able to channel that into art whereas for me it's been a little bit of a barrier to making art and the fact that my hands don't work very well playing the piano is hard I get frustrated quite honestly I get frustrated and then I get mad and then I cry and then I throw something and then I say it's not worth it so one day it will be worth it I know that day will come but uh at the same time I'm like if that's all the work I ever do which I'm not threatening that or anything but I've talked about this in therapy if that's it for me then I feel very confident and comfortable with the body of work that I did create because as many of you have pointed out and know my catalog is quite large so I mean I did a lot and I I do hope to make something again I'm not closing the door on that part of my life but it's just been a challenge and I've had to try to make peace with the fact that I'll never be able to be the musician I was before and I know that that's part of aging in the first place but 
to have something happen to you physically that then makes it very hard for you to do your art, it's, it's tough, especially when your identity, your whole life has been around being good at it. And then all of a sudden you can't really be good at it anymore. I mean, I can be, but again, mostly only in recording live performances, pretty much out of the question outside of like one song or two, maybe tops. But even then I struggle and I feel nervous. And so why would I do that to myself? You know, I only do it like right now, like with my Interlock and Arts Academy uh, alumni coffee houses that we've been doing online. I'll sing one song at that. Um, but even then it's like those were already high stakes for me because you're singing in front of some of the most talented people in the world. Uh, so this this like not the stakes are high because everyone's really loving and understanding But I feel like I have to bring my a game and lately my a game is what used to be my D game So I've had to acknowledge and adjust that the reality is different Anyhow, I don't know how I got down that road, but something about myth and stars makes me very Contemplative when I was listening to the whole thing in preparation for today uh, I really went down some memory lane roads and I'm not gonna get too specific about my personal life But there is a lot going on in my life. Uh, I'm to paint it in broad strokes but it might um, if you're the kind of person who likes to know what certain things are about or at least the album as a whole this might give you a little bit of way into understanding a little bit of why I chose to write the songs I did or I guess I didn't choose to write them they wrote them but they kind of write themselves but I chose to uh, focus on certain things and hoped for the best which is what songwriting is anytime you just go well I want it to be like this let's see what actually happens so with all that said long intro this week let's dive into myth and stars Myth and Stars actually started, well, let me back up a little. So when we talked about Whirl and Medusa, well, we haven't yet, but I've, I've mentioned Whirl and Medusa in, when I talked about the Winter Children. Um, and we talked about Whirl and Medusa when I was talking about House of Jupiter, I think, uh, last season when we were talking about Stand at the Edge, maybe I talked about it, but uh, I originally wrote House of Jupiter um, at the tail end of writing Whirl and Medusa, but I had already chosen my final 12 tracks. So... I didn't throw it on there even though I wanted to. Um, it was kind of too late at the time uh, for no apparent reason, really, because it didn't even get pressed or anything. But I, you know, it was over as far as I was concerned. So House of Jupiter hung around, and then uh, Sony really wanted me to put it on Standing at the Edge. I really didn't want to put it on Standing at the Edge. But that's a good example of one of the first times where I really started using mythology as a tool for songwriting. Hold on, my cat. This is not the time. Okay, my cat was scratching a chair. I had to put a stop to it. Now I need to adjust my microphone. It was falling down again. So I started using mythology as a way in. I think I've always really been fascinated by mythology. I also like that it's not quite as, uh, I don't know, what is the word? It's not quite like religion. It's a little bit different, although, of course, a lot of mythology was a religion at the time. But the stories are very universal. So many cultures have their own myths, but based around uh, a lot of similar things. And it's interesting, the work with Joseph Campbell that he did in his life, finding that there were very similar myths all over the world with societies that didn't have any contact with one another or were in very different time periods. So as humans, we tend to have these archetypes and these tropes and these common narratives. I mean, look at movies and TV shows. That's what we do, right? We want to live through other people's experiences. So I like that as a way to think about songwriting and art. And so I've had a lot of times in my career where I've really leaned into mythology, but I don't think any time as much as this record and the Myth and Stars and the Collective Sigh. But the House of Jupiter is about Jupiter. Uh, the 
Roman god, and, and then which is the equivalent of Zeus, and then Mercury is in the house of Jupiter, the messenger god. Uh, and then with Myth and Stars, what happened was that I was online. It was uh, either August or early September of 2009, and I saw an article saying the Pleiades are going to be visible in the night sky. And so then I thought about the Pleiades and how they're known as the Seven Sisters. And then I wrote the song Seven Sisters. And that's really where this album was born. That's like the origin story is that I thought, oh, we're going to be able to see the Pleiades in the sky. So then that led me to say, you know what would be really fun is to not only lean into mythology, but into constellations and astronomy and asterisms, uh, because Pleiades is not actually a constellation. It's what's called an asterism. So uh, I really got into that because I thought, look how many societies, constellations date back to prehistory, like before we have a record. So all these civilizations have looked up at the sky and found these shapes in the stars and drawn the lines between. And then that has impacted so many civilizations and how, how they do things or the mythology they attach to it. So I thought I'm going to use not only myth, but constellations. And that's where myth and stars, the album title came from ultimately is that that's really what was happening. And, um, with seven sisters i just really got into the metaphor of like the seven sisters will fall like every star eventually has to die so i really wanted to go down that road and then of course with the beginning saying betwixt and between beneath the stars here we must connect the dots which is obviously connect the dots is referencing drawing out constellations but also betwixt and between meaning i think this goes back to shakespearean english meaning like it's not quite one thing and it's not quite another and that's how i was feeling in my relationship at the time like we're kind of something but we're also kind of not something and so a lot of this record does get informed by the relationship i was in at the time which was kind of a mess and a lot of drama and um, to protect the innocent, I'm not going to, you know, go into too much of the specifics. But again, like I said in the intro, I'm going to paint some broad strokes. So I used the mythology and the constellations to start processing things that were happening in my own life. Not every song is about a particular thing uh, on any record. Not every song is about a particular person or thing or, or a relationship or a dynamic or whatever's happening. I go all over the place. In fact, because of the fact that mythology is very universal and we all have mythology in our lives, Lives, even if it's in like a TV show you love or but classical mythology in general it, it there are ways that it's so universal kind of like tarot cards are horoscopes really um, so I want I liked the idea that we were living through these collective events now the world has gotten smaller and smaller with first like 24-hour cable news and then the internet so we have access to information so quickly in a way we never have from all over the world and so much was happening that started informing this record and I thought well we're all collectively experiencing this thing who knew what we would ultimately collectively experience in the last year and change with COVID uh, that's been a gigantic collective trauma but I wanted to touch on some other things that were happening so one of the other early songs which is the first song on the first half is Revolution I was watching what was happening in Iran at the time with the, with the Arab Spring very very closely and I found it very inspiring how young people and activists in general were using Twitter to communicate information like literally to save lives to know wh what to do and where to go and what to avoid and, and not be found out and the fact that they could use the internet and that particular way something that sometimes we go oh social media it sucks everyone's so terrible and negative and sometimes that's a hundred percent true but in this case it was like look at how technology is facilitating a movement and so i 
really dug into that with the song Revolution. Again, trying to make it as universal as possible so it didn't have to be about Iran, although I do say a sea of green and a lot of that has to do with Iranian culture. But uh, I really liked the idea of that. So Revolution, it's interesting if you look at the first, re the first record, it's Revolution to open and the Elysian Fields to close which is uh, fallen soldiers in mythology, fallen warriors. Uh, so that's really where I'm talking about the wars in Iraq, or Iraq and Afghanistan that were still going and going and going, and I had been very against from day one. Uh, I was making Stand at the Edge when I Iraq started. So uh, I remember that very vividly that day, but I was a very v harsh critic of those wars, uh, and George W. Bush specifically, but by now, of course, Barack Obama's president, but not enough was changing. So I really wanted to write that song uh, to, to talk about what it's like for the families. And uh, really, it's that. And then the ending was where we get into like, all we want is a compromise, the killing to end on both sides. I'm very much a pacifist. I've never really understood. I mean, I understand human nature, but I don't understand why we think going out and killing each other solves anything. I think that's still, to me, feels barbaric. Um, that's a personal opinion, and, you know, we all feel however we feel, but, uh, and, you know, I'm quick to anger and quick to throw a glass and smash it, so, I mean, I have my own wars in my life at times. So I get it, I get the impulse, but I don't know why, because governments can't get along, we have to sacrifice people to do that regular not I mean not regular people, but I hope you know what I mean. People who are not the presidents and the prime ministers. So you know, I, it's tough. Um, and there are times, you know, I think where you have to to do something when there are atrocities happening. Uh, and I I do acknowledge that. Uh, so I know sometimes I'm living in my own little ideal bubble, but in a perfect world, uh, you know, we wouldn't have that. I get very existential sometimes. Like last week in therapy, I was like, why do we even have money? Like, why is that a thing? It didn't have to be. We just created this thing. We've created a lot of systems that don't make any sense to me. And I've kind of made a living the last bunch of years trying to f fix those, dismantle them and start over again. But it's hard. Anyhow, uh, so the, in the beginning of the record, we've got Revolution and then Seven Sisters. And then I think, i got to look. Hunter, which is about Orion, so the hunter god, uh, and there are a few other songs interspersed. Pegasus, obviously. This audio is weird because I'm turning my head to look at my uh, track listing. I should just print it out and put it in front of me, but you know, who has that kind of time? Uh, and then a little ending. I loved that one. There's no mythology with that one, but I'm just using the metaphor of how roses uh, in places where I live are frozen all winter long and then come back in the spring. So really that song is about resilience. Uh, and you'll notice on this record also there's a lot of piano work that's really intricate. I had gone to my Interlock and Arts Academy reunion. It was the first one I could ever attend in the fall of 2009 in October. And I was so inspired because I hadn't been there in a long time. And I hadn't seen my classmates in 15 years. and Well, most of them. And uh, just being there with those people was super inspiring. But it also got me really into playing the piano again. Because I wrote all these really intricate songs when I went there. Like way more intricate than things I play now. Uh, and of course, like I mentioned in the intro, I don't even think I could play those songs anymore. Um, but 
it was really making me again bring my a game when i'm around those people i get inspired to like do the best work i can so i really leaned into like just making the piano parts really interesting and have a lot going on and you can hear my fingers moving around a lot and then if you listen to the production and the keyboard sounds there also are a lot of intricate moving lines and also a lot of things that sound like stars or space or you know just giving that kind of feeling of being otherworldly um but there are some sounds in particular the stuff in hunter where i am like it is kind of supposed to sound like these twinkly lights of stars in the sky so um yeah so and then in the second half of the first record i go into not the same place the human chain echoes days go by ready or not stories which is one of my favorite stories is literally just about being a songwriter and how when we were artists we're leaving something uh, for others or just leaving a a legacy for whatever reason i mean you know it can be completely personal it can be completely selfish but uh to create something that then other people i've talked about this over and over other people then imprint upon or or listen to take on they watch or, or interact with in a museum or whatever it is I just think that's there's something amazing about that, and I wanted to kind of have an homage to that. But the second half of this first record is really where I start unpacking the fact that my relationship is not working. Um, and it, it was kind of doomed from the beginning because it kind of started in these fits and starts, and there were a few things that I said, okay, I'll go. I'll get involved in this, but I have some deal breakers, and so X, Y, and Z needs to change. And I was promised that those things would change, and then those things didn't change. And I don't know if anyone else has ever been in a situation like that, but you know, you hold on to hope, and you hold on to hope, and you just think, okay. And the people, the person saying, "Can I just have more time? I need more time. I need more time." And the next thing you know, it's been years, and nothing really has changed. And I was so frustrated by it, and it's all water under the bridge for me now, honestly. But I was so frustrated by it at the time that I had this giant resentment. So the the power balance was off because I wouldn't let him get mad at me over anything trivial or small because I was like, how dare you be mad at me when I can be mad at you for these huge things? So, I mean, nobody, it wasn't good for anybody, honestly, in, in retrospect. And I, I knew that it, I was kind of stuck and I didn't know what to do. So you'll notice in the second half, there's a lot of songs like that too that are kind of like doom and gloom, like Shadowland uh, and The Truth. Um, just kind of really having this stark realization that like this is just not ever going to change and that relationship actually got to the point where he said to me you know we haven't had a fight in like six months and I was I remember saying something to the effect of the fact that you think that's a good thing is exactly part of the problem we haven't had a fight in six months because I gave up I gave up on this there's nothing for me to fight for anymore so I just don't bother I've, I've stopped getting mad because I don't expect change anymore my hope is gone so this record was really me processing that uh, in a big way. And then my life got really dramatic. This is actually the last like full length you know, record. There's Here the City, which is kind of a song cycle that I did after Myth and Stars. But Myth and Stars is the last record I made before I started experiencing the loss of all my cats and going into this extreme grief and extreme depression. So in some ways, Myth and Stars is kind of the end of chapter one of my career in the way I see it as far as my albums. And then after Here the City, chapter two begins with the vigil and moves on from there so what am i saying <laughs> i'm like what do i want to talk about next um so the, 
disc one, I think we've covered pretty well. So, and then disc two starts off with landing. Oh, and that's something else that's interesting. A lot of the songs, so this album and Signs of Life were the only two times in my career that I've made these like piano vocal or keyboard sound vocal demos of a song and then actually lived with them for a while and then jumped into producing and recording. The way I like to write is actually to make the track that I'm gonna sing to. So I don't really have quote unquote demos very often, but this album did and landing was actually an, an improvisation so that's why the, l the lyrics are a little bit kooky and stuff because originally I just hit record and that's what came out piano vocal me singing and it was intense so I kept the lyrics uh, for the most part unless sometimes I get gobbledygooky when I'm improvising but I think that one stayed intact if I go back and listen but there is a th in my band camp creating myth and stars and the original demo of landing might be on there but a lot of the songs in this record started as these just little solo pieces that then I turned into fully produced uh, songs but when I wrote land and when I actually produced Landing, I knew for sure that had to be the opening of disc two because it starts off and you think, oh, it's atmospheric and there's these low tones. And then all of a sudden it's just like, I'm singing and it, it seems mellow and then just bam, it's do 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 and then the vocals are all over and very like rhythmic. And I I'm basically just wailing by the end of it. Um, yeah, so again, you can hear me saying only the same thing again. Like I'm really getting into the anger of like feeling like I'm in Groundhog Day in my personal life. Uh, and then that goes into Meteors, which is really the hero's journey in a lot of ways. That song has really changed meaning for me uh, since then. But um, really that's that was another song that was improvised originally and I really liked it. So, and that's one of my favorite songs on Myth and Stars in general is Meteors. I listen to it a lot still uh, when I need comforting or if I need a good cry. But yeah, that's really about the hero's journey in a lot of ways, which of course uh, is homage to Joseph Campbell, uh, who no was basically the biggest expert on mythology I think we've ever seen, at least in America. So I've been heavily influenced by him my whole career. Um, my EP called A Thousand Faces is based on his work. Almost all of the songs are based on his work. Uh, not everything. I, I, I made my own little kind of narrative through it, but I've used his work to inspire me a lot. There's actually this great book called The Joseph Campbell Companion, which makes his work a little bit easier to understand. It's people who worked closely with him, uh, and it kind of dumbs it down, for lack of a better term, because sometimes when I read actual Joseph Campbell's books, I'm just like, well, huh, what? <laughs> it's like a textbook almost. So, And he was a professor, so it makes sense. But sometimes I don't. It's too much. So The Joseph Campbell Companion has been something that for me I've used as a prompt for songwriting for a really long time. Lots of my songs are prompted by that book. So I highly recommend if you're into mythology or just kind of the Rumi-esque-ness of Joseph Campbell uh, and all of, you know, he comes up in my work a lot. Um, so that Meteors goes into Hyades, which of course when I saw the Pleiades, I was like, well, the sister stars are the Hyades, sister asterism. So I was like, well, I got to do that one too. So that one is just like, you can, it's like you're on this ocean and then there's a storm. Like literally that's like how I feel it. Uh, and at the end, the background vocals are saying storms are coming. I hear the warning or something like that. They say something about a storm. Storms are coming, something, something, with a warning. Um, so that one I really enjoyed. I used to open shows with that quite a bit uh, when I did full-length concerts. And I uh, just really enjoy that song. I like the severity of it or the the danger feeling of it and just the, the drama, I guess. That's the word I was really looking for is the drama of that song. 
What comes next? Burning the Bridge. So that song has actually become another one that kind of took on a life of its own. People really like it. I really like it. There's something just really fun about it. It's almost like skipping down the street kind of feel. Also, the only time I've ever gotten to say Ali Ali Oxen free in a song and have it actually work, arguably. You might think it does. (laughs) But I was like, hey, I put Ali Ali Oxen free in a song, which is like an American saying that we used to say as kids and... I don't even really remember why or the context of it, honestly, but I wanted to throw it in there because it has cultural significance. I've actually just been doing like a poetry workshop with students this week and talking about cultural references in poetry or lyrics and how that can work or not work and how it can make it relatable to people. Um, Ashes to Ashes, I'm going to talk about specifically. I am kind of going song by song on this one. I don't normally in a lot of what I'm saying, but Ashes to Ashes is really interesting because I had a dream that I had a vinyl record called Patti Smith Live in Tokyo. And this song, Ashes to Ashes, or at least the melody and the guitar part, were on it, was on it. And so when I woke up, I was like, wait, is that actually a Patti Smith song? So I had to do a little research to make sure I wasn't actually like dreaming a Patti Smith song. But I'm like, nope, it's very Patti Smith-esque as far as it being an A minor and just the way the chord progressions work. Uh, even I think with the the, the uh, melody, I think if you if you know Patti's work and you think about her singing it, you probably could, could imagine it. Um, so that was really interesting. And I ended up writing that at just about... Uh, the music business in Los Angeles and kind of using the metaphor of snakes, which again ties in perfectly with uh, mythology, but talking about, you know, the Hollywood music business and how it kind of chewed me up and spit me out. And for a long time, I had a real chip on my shoulder about it because it was such a negative experience for me. Uh, I've made my peace with all that a long time ago, but that was another song where I just kind of wanted to take a little, take a little uh, slingshot at the (laughs) music industry. David and Goliath, if you will. And then that goes into the second half, which is Shadowland. I begin, I began where we ended, The Truth, Override, all of those processing relationship. Neverland is actually about going to Interlochen Arts Academy because, again, I had been to that reunion. Uh, and I should mention, I think Neverland was written in the first half. So this is what happened in the writing. I started writing Myth and Stars in the fall of 2009 and then I had a, a group of songs and then I just stopped it's very unusual for me to stop in the middle of a record but I did I just didn't write for months and then I started writing again and I ended up with all of these different kind of vibe songs happening and so I, then I kind of went you know what I think this needs to be two records I this is going to be too hard to try to figure out what's a b-side and what stays on the album so, because usually, you know, I end up with all these B-side collections because I write way more songs than I can fit on a record. Well, at least I used to. Actually, th- this was the last record that was the case, Myth and Stars. And actually, it isn't the case because I ended up using them all. But uh, the records after that, I literally have written exactly as many songs as you hear. There's nothing left over. I go from beginning to end, and then I'm like, all right, that's it. I got my 12 songs. I'm good to go, or however many it's going to be. And I don't edit edit myself too much or worry about it. And I've kind of enjoyed the freedom of that, of no longer having a stack of 30-something songs to try to figure out how to narrow down. So that was when I was like, okay, this just needs to be a double record. So Neverland was written earlier. The Elysian Fields was actually written for memories and photographs, but it felt more like it was like a B-side from that record. But then it felt more like it needed to be on Myth and Star. So the Elysian Fields was the oldest song that I pulled to be on this record because it just felt like it fit well. Um, so yeah, then I, I knew it was a double record. So a lot of the side, the, the second record songs were written in the second portion of writing, but not all of them. And to the same degree, most of the songs on the first disc are from the initial spurt of songwriting. 
And then wish for peace. Again, going back to that, just wishing for a more peaceful world and just wanting to make a song with all of those vocals. I really like, you know, using a lot of vocals, as people know, and using that kind of choral training, putting it to good use. Um, And then the final song, Break Down the Wall, another one that I wrote in a dream. I actually had a dream that I was at the guy who engineered Whirl Medusa's house. So this was 11 years after we were done working together, but uh, his name was Nick Brophy. And I had a dream that I was at his house and he was playing me this new song he had written and it was Break Down the Wall and I really liked it. So when I woke up, I knew that was not anyone else's and it was something I just wrote in a dream. I didn't mean not all the words or anything. I ended up writing that later, but the main gist of it was all from a dream. I do that a lot sometimes actually where I get a whole song in a dream and then I would have to wake up and figure out how to put it, translate that into something. But again, I like that it ends, not again, but I like that it ends on this very, like, I can do this, like still acknowledging that things are hard, but it's also like encapsulating, like I talk about the way, like I'm at home on the waves, which is me basically saying that I'm more comfortable in a Poseidon role uh, and just you know, with classical mythology. So I'm tying it all together. It does feel very much like the end, like this, again, with my cinematic record making, I'm like, this is it. And I, I kind of keep tying back to things that have been on the record. I think it was the last song I wrote. Uh, and just, it has this like anthem-like feel to it. And just like, you know, I can, I will break down the wall. I will come when you call. I will give this my all. Like all these ways, I mean, they're all obviously rhyming, but also just, it's like, it's about resilience, about like, I'm not going to give up. Because in the process of making this, I wasn't out of the woods with a lot of things. And then my life was about to get a lot worse. And I didn't know that. But, you know, even through all of these experiences of the last decade or so, I mean, up until now, really, resilience has been something that I've really embraced because it's like, I'm not going to let all these things get me. Like I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to push through this. I'm going to push through it. I'm going to get through it. So yeah, Myth and Stars, one of my favorites. Uh, There's just, again, that one has its own kind of universe. I keep picking these as the first few episodes, like the ones that really have, have a strong uh, personality and feel less like a typical record, but more like something with a concept, very cinematic, very creative, um, because they're fun to talk about one, but also because I'm, I'm just, that's where my, my brain is going. When I stop, finish talking about one record, I'm like, Ooh, which, which one do I want to listen to next? And so then I go on my walk and I listen to the record and think about what I'm going to say to y'all. And that's kind of in my process. Like, Ooh, which songs do I want to talk about? Or, Oh, I forgot about this. This is interesting. So yeah, thanks for hanging out with me this week and talking about myth and stars. And I, again, I have no idea what next week will be. It will all depend on what random record I choose. I do look at your list. Uh, the lists of, of things that people gave me on social media a few a bunch of months ago. So I have based everything so far on things that people actually asked me to talk about. I was just trying to honor that. But again, if you have anything else you want me to talk about, feel free to tweet at me or go on my Facebook page uh, and throw a comment in. Um, on, even when I share the podcasts, I, I always share them once the link's available. Um, and once they're up on Apple, usually I, I'll share the link. And yeah, you can always let me know if there's something you'd like to hear about or any sort of follow-up question. I'd be happy to answer it there uh, if you have a follow-up to anything I've mentioned in any of the podcasts so far or in the future. So again, stay safe, stay well. I really hope everyone uh, is resilient over this next week, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.